Good evening, once again, my friends. How are you? I'm cold. I'm very cold. How did it get so cold so quickly when it was so recently so warm? Don't answer that, because I don't think I really want to know the answer. I already know it anyway. How do I know that I'm cold? I've never felt it before, I don't think. Have I? But I know that this is what cold feels like, because I took for granted what it was to feel warm. <laughs> so it is, and so we go. The fact is, I am tired, too. I overexerted myself this last month. I was so focused on my own power and my own strength, which I felt I had in such a great amount, that I wanted to, and I felt I was able to, give it so freely and so openly without hurting myself. I found so many ghosts, and I danced with them all, because I was so fixated on making them feel better. I said it out loud many times. I am impermeable. I am formidable. I almost said out loud that I was invincible, didn't I? <sighs> How foolish that would have been. Thank the stars I wasn't quite so in love with myself to go that far. Because obviously I am not invincible. That has been made abundantly clear in the card that I drew this week. Foolish, foolish and self-obsessed I was to sit down and ask the cards. What am I to the world? I shuffled. I wanted to know how else I could help the world this week. Help its living, help its dead. My heart is in the right place, though sometimes I admit that it lets itself fill up with hubris. I wanted to help, and I still want to help, even in my weakness. Which is why I was so shocked when I drew the Empress reversed. Have I called myself the Empress before? I don't remember. That was a different time. But I've always aspired to be her. Someone with strong, intuitive powers once told me I was her. That is, they told me she was my card. I believed this person. Sometimes I still believe this person. I do not think they're wrong, but today my cards mocked this belief just a little. Fair enough. I can stand to have my pride mocked. I think everyone with great pride must have it mocked, sometimes. And I am no exception though it stings. The Empress reversed is emptiness, at least in creative endeavors, creative blocks. She represents need and dependence. We must all sometimes depend on others, but I think she is trying to tell us to tend to our own houses first. We must supply for ourselves, we cannot look to her. 
I wanted to be the empress that those who are in need can come to. I am not that. Not always. I cannot always be that, anyway. This card's appearance may mean a few things. First, the meaning that I hope this is not, is that I'm the one causing creative stagnancy in others, or refusing help with creative growth. I hope sincerely that I am not. I do not wish to cause harm, certainly. But perhaps I need to accept, rather, that I cannot solve the world's problems by myself. I do know this but I would prefer to imagine instead that I might be able to point out the reversed empress in us all. Perhaps I can shine a light on parts of our neglected imaginations that need us to tend to within ourselves. Like a garden that is withered and dying, and needs only love and care to grow once more. Second, it could have a meaning that is much more simple. If I am indeed the empress at least in my own mind, in this scenario which you have subscribed to, perhaps this only means that I am not the empress that you expected, or that I expected. Perhaps I am an empress of a different sort. The upright empress is fertility and nurturing, though I am a green and growing thing, at least I was before this winter came and turned my autumn self a little more blue and cold. More on that later. On a different episode, I will tell you how my hair has begun to turn white just a bit, and how my skin is turning from the color of fallen leaves to something of a bluish-gray, the bluish-gray of a clouded morning where there wasn't meant to be snow. Anyway, though I am sometimes a green and growing thing, I am no mother, and I cannot be a mother to anyone. It took a while to understand this fully, but it is not my role. Or if I am a mother, I am a mother of a different sort. Third, and the meaning that I think I take the most to heart of this reversed Empress card, is that it is a sign that I cannot always be as strong as I like to imagine that I am. We have our seasons, my friend, just as the earth does. And though I have helped others this autumn, and I am proud and glad of it. What was my higher purpose? Was it to simply feel important? Influential? Is that why I feel so drained? So empty? Caring in and of itself is a purpose. It is a verb and a calling, and I accept that. But we need to turn that care inward. We need to be the empress for ourselves for a while, sometimes. Winter has come early in my forest, likely because it must force me to rest. And how sleepy it does make me. I have been too awake of late. I must rest. But first, I will tell you a story. But because the upside-down empress has made herself present this week, it will be a selfish story. I said that the Empress reversed can be a creative block, and indeed she was this week, and so this will be the story that I want to hear. I need a story about the world. 
a story of our world. And yet a little outside of it, just a little bit. Well, to be honest, it can be as real as you want it to be. I would like my stories to be whatever you need them to be, and yet I cannot be responsible for that. You must meet me halfway. Anyway, let's try. Once upon a time, there was a girl in a tower. Do you remember her? From 18 episodes ago. If you don't, I shall speedily summarize her story so far for you. She used to be a farmer, but one day her world was turned upside down and she was chased into a solitary tower by mysterious, ferocious beasts that roamed the land. She soon discovered many, many towers, as far as her eyes could see, and in each window was a little candle, including her own. This meant that each tower had its own solitary inhabitant, someone from the world before, someone who wanted her and everyone else and themselves to, to know that they were not alone. Just because they lived alone did not mean they were alone. But that was not the end of the farmer's story. No, indeed, it was just the beginning. We're going to revisit her tonight. One day, it was autumn, crisp and cool but still orange and warm. She knew because she could see it by day from her window. But the next morning, without warning and far, far too early, it snowed heavily, just like it has here in my own forest. Almost as if we are in the same world, she and I. Imagine that. She woke up and was surprised to see that the world was blanketed in snow. It was strange and it was frightening to see snow so suddenly and so out of its time. But it did make her realize something encouraging. She did not see the footprints of the beasts in the snow. Indeed, she could not see any trace of them all morning. Now she was a wise girl, our farmer girl, our hero. And she recalled that just because you could not always see the beasts did not mean they were not there, waiting for her, waiting to pounce. And so she didn't think she would leave just yet. She thought it would be prudent to stay in her tower for a little while longer. That is, until she noticed the cabin on the hill. Had it always been there? Somehow she hadn't seen it before. Likely because it was green and brown and blended in with the trees and the brush. But now, with everything covered in snow, she could see it clearly. And she saw, distantly, the figure of a person slowly moving towards it. They seemed to move with steps that grew increasingly slow and laborious. Until finally, they collapsed into the snow. 
The girl in the tower called out, but they were far away, too far away to hear. She didn't even hesitate upon seeing this, to put on her boots and her cloak, and to run out of the tower to help the person. There were beasts outside after all, and no one should be alone to fend them off. She ran, and at first she felt confident that she was alone. She felt confident that she was safe. But the world was a different place than she remembered it. It worked differently than it did in the time before. The sun began to set. Much, much too early. And she began to hear the growls. She ran a little faster. She began to see the red eyes among the trees. She ran as fast as she could. Where before she only saw one, maybe two creatures out there waiting for her at once, the world was absolutely filled with them now. Everywhere she looked, red eyes waited for her in the growing shadows. There was no turning back. She found the hill with the little cabin resting at its peak. But she could not see the person who fell. She prayed that they were not taken by the beasts, and she ran to the cabin. Breathless and remembering the way she felt all those months ago when she had ran to her little castle and banged on the door to be let in, she found the cabin's sturdy wooden door and pounded her fists against it. But this time they were cold. So cold she almost couldn't feel them anymore. She hadn't been outside in so long that she forgot how brutally the cold could bite. But she banged against the door anyway, the strength of her fists and the sound of her voice pleading for sanctuary. The door opened, and she ran in. She heard someone lock the door behind her, and she still heard the beasts scratching at it, howling their frustration into the night, growling their threats at her through the wood. Are you mad? A voice said, though she could not yet see its source. Don't you know how dangerous it is out there? She did her best to catch her breath, and the warmth of the room began to bring sensation back to her fingers. Her eyes blinked themselves into adjusting to the orange firelight, and she saw before her a most unusual woman. She was blanketed in black shawls. Skirts, blouses. Her hands were in black gloves, her feet in black boots. She had a hood over her head that she removed to reveal that black fabric was wrapped over her eyes. Our farmer hero couldn't tell anything of the woman's age, nor any details really of her appearance, other than the strange fact that her lips were bright red, clearly rouged deliberately and with care. Though the woman's words had been scornful, she had a big smile on her face. And upon closer examination, our hero saw that her skirts were sprinkled with white snow. She is the one who had fallen. I thought you needed help, the girl said breathlessly, and swooned a little from exertion. The woman caught her and led her to a soft chair by the warm fire. 
You have it backwards, I guess. <laughs> she cackled. She poured them each a cup of tea and sat across from the girl. She said nothing. You can see? Our hero asked, perplexed at the ease with which the woman guided her and poured the boiling water into the tiny cups, given that her eyes were covered. The woman with the red lips and the blindfold smiled still. I can see everything. She inhaled deeply of the brew in front of her. But it is what I choose to see that counts. The girl took a sip of the tea she had been given without question, for she trusted the strange woman. I would choose to see everything if I could, she said wistfully. The woman laughed once more and shrugged. Huh! That is a noble thing, but it is also a much more difficult thing. Are you a witch? the girl asked. That is irrelevant, the witch replied. The beasts continued to scratch, scratch, scratch at the door, and howl, howl, howl into the night, and growl, growl, growl their threats. The girl was chilled. The woman did not take notice. How did it become winter so quickly? She asked. The woman did not answer. How did these beasts come to roam the land? She asked. The woman did not answer. Who will come to save us? She asked. And the woman especially did not answer. They sat together in silence for some time. And finally the woman in black asked the girl a strained question. Would you like to see my eyes? She asked, a gleeful kind of mischief in her smile. The girl shifted in her seat awkwardly, unsure of what the polite answer was. But then she realized the woman she sat across from was not interested in etiquette or niceties. So why should she be? She thought about it for a moment and looked at the woman's face. How strangely her red lips contrasted against her skin. So strangely, in fact, that the woman's skin almost seemed to be an unnatural, pale, grayish, bluish hue. How strange she looked. How strange would her eyes look. And how long had it been since she'd looked into any eyes that were not her own? The girl nodded and said, I would. Yes. The woman clapped her hands once in victory at the answer. She moved her chair closer to the girl and said, Now, you mustn't be afraid. This is the one payment you will receive in thanks for coming to save me. Remember now that it was most unnecessary and foolhardy of you to do, but I am grateful nonetheless, and so I shall pay you with my eyes. The girl nodded, and she couldn't help but grow excited. She knew not why, but she did. Yes, thank you. I would love to see them, she said. And the woman sat right in front of her. She drew one long breath, 
which seemed to still the mischief that couldn't help but bubble out from her most times. She slowly pulled off the fabric wrapped round her eyes, as if she were unraveling, unveiling a work of art. Once it was removed, she opened her eyes, and, wonder of wonders, they were full of galaxies. Darkness, dark as the night sky, and full of stars. Stars of every color, deep, deep as space and endless. The universe was there, in her eyes, the girl was certain, and it was wondrous to behold. How did it become winter so quickly? How did these beasts come to roam the land? Who will come to save us? The girl asked again, her voice unwavering and full of awe. Why would you ask me that again? The woman replied. Because there is everything here. You really do see everything. And now I can see everything. Surely you know the answers to these questions. Then you can see that the universe is full of unanswered questions. You can see that the world has room for wonders and terrors alike, for beauty and for ugliness in equal part, for good and evil indeed, and yet that all of these things are ephemeral and changeable as the wind. They are not for us to categorize, they are only for us to react to. You, my dear, reacted to someone falling in the snow. And here you are. Is that not answer enough for you? The girl paused and meditated on these words as she continued to see stars and planets changing position. So it all means nothing. Means nothing, the woman said, laughing a little to herself once more. <laughs> it means everything. If you had answers to all your questions, would there be any answer that would cause you not to come help me when you saw me fall? The girl shook her head. No. There you have it. Your only task is to do your best according to the mandates of your own conscience. No more and no less. And I cannot help you with that. The girl began to feel afraid as her own eyes started to fill with the universes too. When she started seeing the vastness of the world in her own mind, no longer in the strange woman's eyes. It is so much, Mother. I do not know if I can bear it. She had used the word mother as a term of respect for the woman who seemed older than her, but the woman bristled at it. Do not call me that. I am no mother, she said, and her own eyes began to change. They were black, then brown, then yellow, then closed. She sighed with relief. Here is your home if you want it, child, she said, 
and glanced at the door outside of which the beast still raged. You will have to fight for it. But it is yours. The girl's eyes were still wide as the universe finally finished emptying itself into them. Now she truly did see everything. Every person, whether they were struggling or celebrating, helping or harming. Every tree, whether it was living or dying, fighting or failing. Every forest, whether it was silent or haunted. Indeed, it was so much to bear. But she wanted to bear it. She wanted to fight for it. Where will you go? She asked the not-mother, who had passed along the gift she had been guarding so closely, waiting for someone pure of intent to take it from her. The not-mother stood up straight for the first time in centuries, as though a great weight had been lifted from her shoulders. She stretched her arms above her head and yawned. <sighs> I don't know. Wherever I like, maybe. I am tired. I should like to sleep. The girl reached up and grabbed the woman's hand. You can stay here with me. You can sleep here. You can help me. The not-mother smiled tenderly and patted the girl's hand. She simply said, No, thank you, sweetheart. You'll do marvelously here without me. <laughs> and she simply disappeared. Not all at once. It was as though she were fading away, headed somewhere else. Just a translucent shadow for a brief moment, then gone completely. The girl, our farmer, our hero, was at first afraid. But she would learn to live with her new gift, her new curse, of being able to see everything. And in seeing everything, she realized the beautiful simplicity of the truth. And she began to do her best in all things. First, she did her best in protecting herself and her wondrous gift. She did her best in helping others when they stumbled along her path, or when she saw someone who needed her help. She did her best to plant flowers outside of the cabin when the snow left, which it did for it was far too early for snow. She did her best to whisper kindness to the trees when the beasts were not near. She did her best to make the world a little brighter where she could, even when no end of the battle against the beasts was in sight, she still did her best, for the fight felt worthy of fighting. And even still, she left her candle in the cabin's window. Always. I have found my little home again, my friends. My little home among the tree roots. Do you remember it? It is warm in here. I feel safe in here. And now that I have told you my strange, selfish story, 
A story to make me feel less weak for needing to be a little selfish, really. For it was a strong woman who passed along her gift to another strong woman. I think I will stay here until I have recovered my strength. It won't take long, but it will take effort. I have a mirror here. Do you remember that? I have some autumn berries, ripe and dark. If I smile just so, and I smear their paint across my lips, the way they look against my newly cold and ice-colored skin. I look like the ghost I just painted for you here. <laughs> How fascinating. I should like to be her for a bit. I should like to be just for a little while, just until I feel I've taken care of myself. The Empress reversed. Needy, but for myself. Dependent, but on myself. And mother, but to myself. Yes, I am very tired. I will sleep for some time. I promise I will fight for warmth and love and joy. I will continue to do so. But first, I must rest. You may rest with me for now, too. You where you are, and I in the earth, waiting. See you in a week. Rest well. Hello, dear listener, and thank you so much for listening in to episode 118 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your host, writer, podcaster, creator behind the show, Kristen Zaza. Welcome to November, friends. We did have snow this week, actually, and I'm not sure I was ready for it. I'm super grateful this month to share that support for On a Dark Cold Night is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And guess what, friends? Manscaped just launched in Canada, so Canadian listeners can be some of the first Canadians to experience these life-changing products. Now, some of us may relate to the rather precarious and sometimes dangerous world of personal grooming, and though I'm the host of a spooky podcast, there shouldn't be anything frightening about trimming your business. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer and perfected it for this exact purpose in their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. This is definitely a premium device with a battery that will last up to 90 minutes, so you can shave at your leisure. Preferably while listening to a couple of On a Dark Cold Night episodes, but hey, you do as you do with your personal routine. It's waterproof, too, so you can use it in the shower. And even more awesome, it comes with an LED light so you can be even more precise and safe. It has an upgraded 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, 
and a very cool USB-powered charging stand, so it looks cool and always stays ready to use. So if you're out there listening and you want to try this out, or have someone you're looking for the perfect gift for who you think would love this, try it yourself for 20% off plus free shipping by using the code GOODNIGHT, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's a really great deal, especially with the holidays coming up. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code GOODNIGHT. Give your or a loved one's nether regions a lovely gift this holiday season. Next up, sending some thank yous. A big thank you this week goes out to Zara5, that's Z-A-R-A-A-A-5, a listener from the U.S. who left us a five-star review with some very kind words on iTunes. Thank you so much for sharing your support, Zara5. If you'd like to support the show in a similar way, please head on over to Apple, Stitcher, Facebook, or anywhere else you like and leave the show a rating and a review. I'd be most grateful if you did. If you'd like to support the show in a different way, you can head over to my Patreon page where every supporter of any monthly amount receives access to my ever-growing soundtrack of the show. You can find out more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you'd like to make a one-time donation instead and aren't interested in the soundtrack perk, you can buy me one or more metaphorical coffees through coffee.com. Find me there at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And I've also got t-shirts and hoodies for the show available for purchase. You can check them out at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Thank you so much for listening tonight, my friends, and for spending this time with me and my voice. Be well, and start early with taking good care of yourself in preparation for the winter now. I'm wishing you warmth and light and joy and good restful sleep. Good night, my friends. Till next time. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.